0: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello everyone, welcome to Adams on
1: Agriculture. So glad you could join us today. Coming up on our program, we're going to get a look ahead, kind of a preview of the Farm Bill Conference Committee and the debate that's going to be going on in that committee as they try to uh, work out differences between the House and Senate versions. Illinois Congressman Rodney Davis will be joining us a little bit later on to give us a a look into the conference committee. Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone will be joining us to talk about the impact of the tariffs and the retaliations going on, what all that means for the markets and what we might expect coming up. Also some analysis on uh, these tariffs and uh, the trade war, if you will, when University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin joins us a little bit later on as well. But first, we're going to start off with uh, National Energy Markets reporter for Reuters, Jarrett Renshaw, is with us. Jarrett, how are you?
2: Great. How you doing?
1: Very good. You know, a lot of the news today, of course, is around the uh, choice by President Trump of Brett Kavanaugh to be the uh, next uh, Uh, Supreme Court justice. And, you know, I was thinking about this as I was listening to all the criticism. I don't know if if it's a good pick or not. But what does bother me is when people come out and they were in opposition of the pick before they even knew who the pick was. And I thought that's kind of where we are in this country today. You you don't judge anybody, uh, you know, on their own merits or qualifications. It's it, it was he was being judged already by who picked him by in many circles, so that's kind of where we're at. But I did find it interesting in reading about him that uh, he's had some rulings uh, concerning uh, um, biofuels in the past. The RFS,
2: sure. Uh, when it's not uncommon, you know, the the appeals court there in the D.C. Circuit is a you know a hotbed for government regulation, right? So um, they certainly heard some of the uh, small refining. Uh, Waiver uh, challenges. I think maybe two went through uh, that court, and um, certainly other issues. So, uh, and he seems to be, at least on the, uh, a quick cursory reading of that, uh, you know, this is the law, the law of the land, and we must follow it. Which is doesn't strike me as a, a somewhat of an uncommon position for for him to take. Um, you know, uh, he does kind of uh, be. Viewed as somewhat anti-regulation, in siding with the corporate interests, but he certainly has a streak of, you know, um, uh, follow the statutes as well. So that seemed to be that side of him in the RFS.
1: So that's going to be a quite a debate that goes on, and we'll see how it all how it all turns out. Meanwhile, we're now dealing with the new uh, uh, leader at EPA, the the acting administrator, Andrew Wheeler. Uh, what do we know about him?
2: You know, by and large. Everybody I talk to, and you know, they don't all talk to each other, so they've they've all kind of created these impressions themselves. Um, is that he's a he's somebody that knows how to navigate the the halls of Washington, understands process, um, and understands that you know, running the EPA is not something you can do um, as a dictator. You have to get stakeholders involved and. and, and you know, and, and make phone calls and, and make people feel that they have a voice. And I think, you know, I don't think the biofuels folks think that they'll get the best outcomes under uh, Wheeler, but I, I feel like they um, they feel like they're going to get their voice heard. So, you know, I think there was a the feel that Pruitt was uh, was unilaterally doing a lot of things and, and, and not including them. Um, so... I don't know. I mean, if the outcomes are the same, I'm not so sure much changes, but um, uh, I, I do think the biofuels folks will get a chance to to weigh in on these and at least have a chance to influence
1: those outcomes. Jerry, I think it'll be interesting because up to now, I think the feeling in the biofuels industry has been that Scott Pruitt was acting on his own and not following uh, what President Trump wanted to have done when it came to the RFS and biofuels. If it continues now, though, wouldn't it seem like that says more about what the president really wants? I mean, I mean, here's a chance to kind of hit the restart button, and if if EPA wasn't doing what the president wanted on uh, on the RFS, now's the time to get it done the way he says he wants it done.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair read. I, I, I see the, and I think we've talked about this before. I, I see the 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 idea that you absolve Trump from all of his sins as a biofuel advocate, kind of politically convenient, right? Because it's hard for me to ever separate the two. I, I, I never personally did. I, you know, if it, if Pruitt's doing these things, he's either doing it with Trump's blessing or Trump's not standing in his way. And I think either way, mm-hmm. um, if, if you're from a, on the biofuel side, I think you have to be concerned about either of those two things. Um, but I do think if, if this, you know, the, the question is how – where, where could Wheeler depart from Pruitt in terms of running the EPA as it relates to the RFS? Uh, and I think the, the place where most people would like to see it is in, in the small refining waivers. And you know, I, there, to me, there is an out here, right? Because rent prices are low historically, um, and you have to think if, if there's a hardship when when rent prices are high, you'd have to think there's a less of a hardship when rent prices are low. So, to me, that's one thing I'm watching. Um, The the 2018 applications presumably are gonna start rolling in if they haven't already. We should keep an eye on how this EPA views them in light of a low rent market. You think it gives them some political out, if that's what they want, to to deny some of these applications and not have as many as they had in 17. So, to me, I think that's the real next flashpoint watch
1: and i agree with you i have never totally absolved uh donald trump on this rfs issue because me he's the boss and if he didn't if epa wasn't doing what he wanted uh, to, to do on that he should have stepped in and made sure they did so uh to me either like you said either uh he, they were doing what he wanted or he was just Letting them do whatever they wanted, and that's that. Sure. That was a problem too. So we'll see where it hap where it goes from here, and see if there's any significant change. Uh, and then if you've still got these issues of reallocation. Uh, you've got the issue of an E15 waiver. You think we'll see any action on that?
2: You no, know, I think th- you know we have been trying to get uh, uh, some interviews with Mr. Wheeler to kind of answer those questions. You know, one question, if I had a chance to talk to him, would be, do you agree with, you know, Mr. Pruitt that the E15 waiver has to be part of a broader package of reforms, or do you think it's a standalone? You could do it a standalone. Um, you know, answer to that question, I think, would be real illuminating um, on reallocation. And be curious to, to, to where his what his approach is to that. Um, so it's hard to tell. You know, I think we need to hear him talk, and I think um, I. Th- i believe I, I, if i was the epa that I, i'd get him out there at some point here soon um talking to reporters taking questions and and, and answering and answering those questions that i think people want to know um you know i think he he, he does you know he, he should give us some 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 idea of what to expect
1: yeah, so often it's hard to get to an EPA administrator. I mean, to get to any kind of uh, public forums, it seems like it's difficult. So hopefully that will be different, too. That, that, I'm with you. That would be a good place to start for a fresh change uh, with this EPA. We'll see if it happens, and we'll be watching your reporting. Jarrett, as always, thank you very much.
2: Yeah, no problem. Take it easy.
1: Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets Reporter for Reuters. All right, so we've got these tariffs and the retaliation. What does it really mean for agriculture? Uh, We've seen some pain already. Pork industry really feeling it. We've seen the volatility in the markets. where, Where do we go from here? We're going to talk with University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin about that. Coming up next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.
3: Auto financing, the easy way.
4: If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C. Choice. Because when you call for your free Endless Pool Idea Kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location.
5: Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 717 734 What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is mobile help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with mobile help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button.
3: I pressed the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile help did save my life. No question about that.
5: Call mobile help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant, and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key with your plan purchase remember mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure that's 800-930-6137 again
0: 800-930-6137 information america's farmers and ranchers need to know adams on agriculture now back to mike adams
1: well, how do you feel about the, the trade tensions going on around the world? Is it uh, going to turn out okay? You have faith? You're optimistic? Or are you worried? Are you concerned? Let's talk about it with University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. Scott, thanks for joining us. I find it interesting uh, to see how this plays out, this uh, this concept of we have to have some short-term pain to get long-term gain that's basically what it's being framed as for the ag community and uh how long the ag community can uh, you know can uh hold on to that and you know you gotta you gotta get through the short term to be able to enjoy any long-term gains and i think that's going to become a bigger and bigger question how, how do you see this uh, strategy playing out for agriculture
6: my personal view is not well because i have yet to see what the end game, what a reasonable scenario would be because it's basically predicated on the Chinese caving and um, that if we get tough, they're going to give in what we want on uh, intellectual uh, copyright issues and uh, other kinds of market access issues. Um, I think it's, at least highly debatable that that's going to work.
1: And you get to a point, I've said this before, you get to a point, with, especially with two countries like the U.S. and China, neither one wants to appear to be backing down. So that makes it even harder to come up with some kind of an agreement.
6: Ordinarily, I would be skeptical, Mike, that we really have a way of getting this done. Because we're talking about on soybeans, for any old crop sales after roughly late May. And if this continues into potentially all of the new crop sales for the 2018 crop, it's, you know, the exact impact of the tariff is going to be problematic to estimate, but it's certainly got to be on soybeans in the neighborhood of at least 50 to 80 cents a bushel. So those could be some Um, very substantial payments in some form. And like I said, we do have, the USDA has substantial authority through the Commodity Credit Corporation to access treasury funds, but I don't know under what exact kind of program. Basically, I think they're going to have to create something new. Like I said, ordinarily, I'd be skeptical, but uh, it seems like, you know, The the, uh, extraordinary becomes the ordinary under President Trump, so I guess I wouldn't be surprised that uh, they actually do do something.
1: Well, we know there's some pain being felt now, the pork industry really getting hit. Uh, We've seen the volatility in the markets, but aren't we in kind of a little bubble here headed towards harvest? I mean, when we get to harvest, and if we have a big crop, like there's that potential, and you still got a lot of old crop, and if you've lost your biggest customer for soybeans, it would seem that was going to put a lot of pressure on that soybean market.
6: True, um, I think at this point that the full impacts of the tariff, assuming we don't you know, retaliation doesn't amp up further, has probably been felt in the marketplace. I think the market has already baked that impact in. I mean, for goodness sake, we're looking at you know uh, cash soybean bids right now in. A large swaths of the Corn Belt, starting with a, a, a 7, you know, in the 790s. You know, these, these for soybean production, these are pretty disastrous price levels. Um, my perception, Mike, is, from talking to farmers and others, is that, you know, it really hasn't hit in the pocketbook of the vast majority of farmers that much, mm-hmm. because most people don't have much old crop remaining unsold there's some out there uh, this will really hit home in the pocketbook when we get to harvest and if if what's unpriced uh, before this summer is obviously going to you know that's gonna be a major hit in the pocketbook and I think at that point the pressure will really ramp up but that's consistent with what I've been hearing from people is that you know they're willing to give the President the benefit of the doubt for a while, uh, but I think that a while will end uh, if you're starting to sell soybeans at
1: $8. And if you look at that time schedule, that kind of fits in with, we've heard Secretary Perdue talking about this possible payment plan, but saying uh, we're looking more around Labor Day or something like that, so they're kind of even looking towards the fall and the, around harvest time.
6: And, you know, that honestly makes sense, because the, the big Economic damage from the tariffs are obviously associated with the new crop, not the old crop, because most of the old crop has already been priced.
1: And quickly, we were talking with Jarrett Renshaw with Reuters about Andrew Wheeler taking over at EPA, and talking about this is really, I think, will show us now President Trump's commitment to RFS. If, if another EPA administrator uh, carries on, you know, supposedly, as many have said, against the wishes of, of the president, you have to start wondering what are the real wishes of the president when it comes to the RFS.
6: Yes, indeed, and I think that uh, it will uh, take a while now because uh, we've got to get to the final 2019 rulemaking, and the rubble will meet the road on the issue of reallocating small refinery exemptions. Uh, if uh, Wheeler reverses course from the last kind of parting act of Pruitt as he was leaving office of zeroing out any reallocation of small refinery waivers. know, that's where we'll know uh, where Wheeler stands and the president.
1: And others are saying, now, remember, he, Pruitt did some good things, started – to repeal WOTUS, so we'll have to watch and see. It's expected that the EPA will continue down that road.
6: I I haven't heard anything that would indicate that would be a, any major changes in policy that way. But uh, keep your eyes on reallocation of small refinery exemptions. That's, that's the key.
1: That's the biggie. All right. All right, Scott, thanks a lot. Uh, Check with that phone company. Make, tell them next time we want you on the whole time, okay? So. <laughs> All right, well, it's <laughs> always a pleasure. Thank you. No I'm problem. You. Thanks, Scott. We'll stay in touch. Appreciate it. University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. Well, what about this farm bill? When are they going to get started? When are we going to get conferees named? We'll talk with Illinois Congressman Rodney Davis about it next on AOA.
7: But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze only use sunscreen at the beach nope anytime you're outside uv rays attack the skin so you need protection and you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours remember spf plus broad spectrum equals healthy fun in the sun visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information a message from the u.s food and drug administration time now for
0: a market check here on adams on agriculture i'm rusty hoverson for the american ag network in the grain and oil seed sector, we've got a two-sided Tuesday session. Turnaround Tuesday in soybean futures, but minus signs continue in corn and in wheat. November, new crop soybeans posting a hefty decline yesterday. Friday's gains said to be chalked up to pre-weekend profit-taking, some position squaring, the strength used as a selling opportunity on the downside major support and a bearish objective for new crop beans lies at 853 and a quarter the 10-day moving average seen at 8.78 and three quarters an hour into the trading day we've seen a high of 881 in november soybeans before backing off a bit new crop december corn a short-term daily base and support forming at three fifty eight and a half the july second low On the upside, the 20-day moving average remains first resistance at 375 and three-quarters. We have stayed within that range so far on the day. In the wheats, we are trending six to seven lower. In Minneapolis spring wheat, twelve to fifteen lower Kansas City, 16 to over 17 cents lower. In Chicago wheat, 81% of the spring wheat crop headed, 80% of the crop rated good to excellent, the highest rating since 2010. For livestock at the Merck, in cattle and hog futures, we are backpedaling once again. Live cattle trending 50 to 87 cents lower. Feeder cattle 30 to 50 cents lower an hour into the trading day. We have yet to see cash cattle trade so far on the week. Lean hog futures, minus signs there. August down around $2 with the cash call steady lower on this Tuesday. Outside markets, the Dow up 146 points. Crude oil up 50 cents a barrel. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halberson for the American Ag Network
3: 10-year warranty you can wash and dry my pillow and i give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose and here's my best offer ever you can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free go to mypillow.com
2: or call 800-871-7280 now and use promo code farm 11 to take advantage of mike's buy one get one free deal this offer expires on august 1st so don't delay order now by calling 800-871-7280 or go to mypillow.com and use promo code farm 11. information America's
0: farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike
4: Adams.
1: And welcome back. And again, you know, a lot of the discussion, a lot of the conversation nationally now is going to be over uh, the choice of Brett Kavanaugh by President Trump to be the next justice on the Supreme Court. And uh, it looks like that is going to take a a while because we see comments now from senator grassley who is chair of the senate judiciary committee saying that uh, the confirmation hearing will not be before the august recess as it could take the committee months just to get through all the nominees decisions so it's going to be a while and by the way senator grassley is scheduled to be with us on monday so we'll have a chance to talk to him about um Judge Kavanaugh and the, the the confirmation process and the timeline for that. Alright, but right now we are focused on the timeline for getting the next farm bill, and that means naming of conferees and having the conference committee getting differences ironed out between the House and Senate versions. Joining us now to kind of give us a preview into that Illinois Congressman Rodney Davis. Congressman, thanks for joining us.
8: Hey, thanks for having me on, Mike.
1: Um, when will we know who the conferees are
8: well i'm hoping that we can get some indication this week um you know with the uh, fourth of july holiday i know that uh, the folks back in the uh, back in dc were working hard to to figure out what was going to be the next step i don't know if this week is going to be the week that we would vote in the house to go to conference but i hope we get on a good schedule and and the chairman and our leadership team can agree on who they think the conferees should be and then when we come back next week i hope we can move forward
1: Okay, can you give us any hint? Will you be one of them?
8: Well, I certainly hope so, and if Chairman Conaway listening right now, hey, buddy, you know <laughs> I want to be on it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic uh, being a subcommittee chairman. Uh, I know that uh, my experience four years ago as the only freshman on the conference committee. I hope gives me a chance to, to show already some, some experience and some leadership on these issues. And, and I, I would love to sit again across the, the table from, my Republican and Democrat colleagues in the Senate, and uh, and also my good friend Chairman Roberts.
1: Whenever the, you finally get to sit down, whoever that group is, obviously there's some big differences uh, to work out. Uh, one of them, of course, right up front, we know is different approaches to the SNAP program. How do you see coming to some kind of middle ground, some kind of compromise on that?
8: Well, I think it's. I, I think we have to just to be able to sit down across the table from each other and, and talk about those differences. I think even, even the Democrats in the House that voted against the Farm Bill can agree that, that we ought to do something about the fact that we have 9 million more people on food stamps today than when unemployment was at 9.5%. And now we know unemployment's at 3.84%. We have more jobs available than we have people who are on the unemployment rolls. And when you look at my home state of Illinois, My home state of Illinois has has 67% of the food stamp uh, recipients fall under our work-capable category, meaning they're not single parents, they're not uh, single parents with children, they're not disabled, or they're not already working 20 hours a week. Why wouldn't we invest, Mike? Why wouldn't we invest in getting people out of poverty and into jobs we know are available
1: Okay, so the, the real trick is, of course, to get a bill that will pass, get enough votes. Now, Ranking Member Peterson told me here just the other day, he said, if, they go, if you go more with the Senate approach, he can deliver uh, Democratic votes. But if it's more like the House bill, uh, again, there's going to be that opposition. So it, it's still a tough order to work through that and get a bill that will pass.
8: You know, it certainly is. And Colin's a good friend of mine, and I love working with Colin. I, I just think he's wrong on this issue and he and I have talked about this numerous times just individually um, I, I look forward to having the debate I, I would hope that many of our senators both Republicans and Democrats realize that this is not about getting people off of benefits and and uh, that they may deserve it's about actually investing in families to get out of poverty think about this Mike I've got a i have got I live in a rural uh, community in Taylorville Illinois We have a food distribution center that's trying to hire as many truck drivers as they can at $70,000 a year. You can get a CDL license, commercial driver's license, in about eight weeks. Our bill offers to pay for that training for an individual who wants to get out of poverty and take a job that pays very, very well. Um, Even existing laws require, if, if somebody wants to leave the food stamp program right now under existing law, And they want to go get a loan to go get a commercial driver's license at one of our community colleges. That loan requires them to go to school for 16 weeks. It just doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't we invest and utilize an existing program like SNAP education and training and get them into school, get them out into the workforce, get them off of food stamps, out of poverty, and even out of the Medicaid system? It seems like a no-brainer to me, but I know we're going to run into opposition.
1: Now, Chairman Roberts on the Senate side has said that they have made some adjustments, some changes to SNAP, just not uh, the same as the, what you have, uh, are calling for in the House version. Have you looked at what the Senate did in their bill, and do you think it's enough?
8: You know, we're, we're going to continue to, to talk about what we believe is a historic investment in families that may be stuck and mired down in, in that cycle of poverty. When we have government programs that encourage families to to do a cost-benefit analysis to stay on programs or go back to school or to training programs and get training they need. Republicans and Democrats alike have told me my five-and-a-half years in Washington, we ought to invest in those families. Well, we're doing that in the House bill, and I think the conference committee is a perfect time for us to, to have that debate, and, and we'll see what happens when, when we get to that conference committee, but, but immediately discarding uh, the plan that we put together that I think will lift families out of poverty. I think is short-sighted
1: right now we're talking with illinois congressman rodney davis looking ahead to the uh, conference committee on the farm bill now another big difference uh senator grassley on the senate side got his uh payment limit language in there that he wanted uh now that's different from your approach in the house how do you see that? Uh, is there any support for that on the house side at all
8: well we're going to have to see um you know we think our our uh our risk management programs in the House bill are, are superior, and I certainly hope we can come up with an agreement. I'm, as somebody who's been on a couple of conference committees already, when it comes to the last farm bill and other transportation bills, um, I, I do believe that we can come up with a common sense agreement on, on all sides and, and on all issues, not just on on, on uh, risk management programs, but also on SNAP. And, and I'm looking forward to sitting down and, and let's finding that let's find that sweet spot.
1: There's some uh, differences in conservation, like number of acres and CRP, some of those things. Do you, th- do you feel those are issues that you could hammer out fairly quickly?
8: Well, I, I certainly think so. Uh, when you look at what the Senate has traditionally pushed, uh, Senator Stabenow obviously has, uh, has pushed for an increase in, uh, in different programs than were pushed in the House. I think these are great starting points for negotiations. But the key is we've got to have willing negotiators. And, and that's what we didn't see on the House side when it came to, to the Democrats in our debate. Heck, they didn't even offer any amendments. I mean, that's legislating 101. If you don't like a bill and you, you sit across the room and complain, offered some amendments. I even offered amendments that I I wanted to change the bill that, that uh, you know, many on my side and I helped write. Uh, so I, I just hope that, I hope that politics doesn't get in the way and we can continue to negotiate in good faith. But in the end, if... If the Democrats want to play politics like they did in the House side, um, what's going to happen, Mike, is we'll just get a, a, an extension of the current bill, which hasn't been bad for our producers right now.
1: Do you think that is a possibility?
8: You know, after um, after experiencing my first farm bill four years ago, I saw nothing but bipartisanship where I worked as a freshman with some of my more senior members of, of the Democrat uh, agriculture team uh, ad Ag committee team. Um, what I saw this time was just a directed effort uh, by the, the Democrats in the House Ad Committee to not participate in the process. So if that's going to be if that's going to be their their modus operandi, then I don't think we're going to be able to come up with a solution because they're not going to agree to anything we put forward. But I'm not confident that, that they're going to be able to sustain that opposition. And I would certainly hope we could come together and find that sweet spot. That's why I want to be on the committee. I've got a history of being bipartisan when it comes to the farm bill, and I want to work to make sure that we help get this bill across the finish line.
1: Well, your bill obviously was a partisan bill in the House. It was a bipartisan bill in the Senate. The feeling has been that the final bill will look more like the Senate than, than the House version. Would you agree with that or not?
8: Oh, I think that's uh, I think it's way too early to tell. Um, obviously, um, those who define it as a partisan bill forget that the fact that the Democrats had some of the language that was listed in the farm bill long before I did, even as a subcommittee chairman. Um, it became partisan when the Democrats walked away. So let's make sure we we um, you know let's make sure that that we talk up the bipartisanship that we've had in the House Ag Committee in the past. Because what we're seeing now is actually new to me as a, as a member who's only been here for the last Farm Bill and then this one. Um, I'm eternally optimistic we'll be able to get something done on a bipartisan basis. And that means helping people get out of the cycle of poverty, too. We can't have anybody, Republican or Democrat, in, in today's economy with 3.84% unemployment, 900,000 more people today on SNAP benefits and when unemployment was at 9.5, 10%. We can't leave them out. We can't leave them in that cycle of poverty. we got to get them out, and we got to invest in them, and this is our chance to do it.
1: Well, hopefully Chairman Conaway's listening, and he'll, he'll know that you want to be on that committee, so maybe we can help get you on there, okay?
8: <laughs> hey, thanks a lot. <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity.
1: Hey, um, I know, how are things looking, how are your crops looking there in Christian County?
8: you uh i'm in McLean county right now about ready to board an airplane and they look great here but they look even better in christian county i think we're going to be harvesting in august
1: yeah ours look good here in morgan county as well good to talk with you again congressman take care and hopefully next time we talk to to you be as a member of the conference committee okay
8: (laughs) absolutely thanks buddy
1: all right illinois congressman Rodney Davis. All right, we're going to talk markets next with Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone. Stay with us
3: on Adams on Agriculture.
5: Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub, they require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration filtration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. A lot
0: can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads are safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov.
1: I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard DeVorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly 2 decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, the
2: hard part is over call consolidated credit now 1-800-489-7204 1-800-489-7204 that's 1-800-489-7204 5701 sunrise boulevard fort lauderdale florida licensed debt management service provider vermont and new york banking departments maryland 49 oregon dm 80031
3: do you need a car been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit low credit no credit bankruptcy or divorce guess what Today's your lucky day, because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Thanks for listening to Adams
0: on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture the farm bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Information farmers and ranchers need to know, Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk markets with the chief
1: commodities economist for INTL, FC Stone, Arlen Suderman. Arlen, thanks for joining us.
6: Good to be back with you, Mike.
1: All right, um, we see some of the sales numbers, and it looks like we're, we're moving uh, a lot of ag products. Uh, are some of these countries we're kind of fighting with, are they stocking up, uh, buying now, thinking they may not – later, or or how's this playing out? Is it just timing, or what's going on?
6: Well, we're the best price in the world for corn and soybeans. Uh, Now, on the corn side, Argentina is chasing after us, and now they're harvesting their crop, and they're getting some supplies in. Uh, But when it goes to Brazil, we're still priced well below Brazil for corn and soybeans. Part of that is because of the the trade war issue, and uh, Brazilian farmers think that, that they have a captured buyer in the way of, of uh, China. Part of it is because of the freight problems with the, the unsettled issues with the trucker strike there. And uh, so uh, right now, U.S. corn and soybeans are so well-priced, we've come down a long ways, and there's simply a lot of buyers around the world to see some uh, buying opportunities. If you're a speculator, you're, you don't know what to do Uh, I guess it depends on your bent and how you're going to interpret these things. But a lot of the speculators I talk to are are afraid to catch a falling knife. But when you're an end user and you see prices come down to these levels, there's some value in stepping in and buying. And that's what we're seeing happen on the export front.
1: So have the markets kind of already figured in, you know, all the tariff news and trade war news? Is that already... In there, or are we looking at still some downside uh, risk here Some we could move down even more?
6: Well, it's it's my sense as I look at this that they've priced in the the bearishness, the negativity uh, of the trade war to a great extent uh, at this point. Does that mean that the bottom is in? We can't safely say that because with the presence of the speculative fund money in the market you then have to deal with momentum trading, and uh, momentum is still to the downside. We haven't changed that. And even some of the hedge fund managers I've talked to who are excited about buying the market here are still afraid to do so because the charts still haven't shown them that the bottom is in. And so buyers are afraid to step in, and so in that absence of buyers, you still have sellers there, uh, and that still leaves you vulnerable. Uh, the further you go down, it gives you the opportunity for a bigger jump back up when it does confirm a bottom, uh, but, you know, that's still not there yet, and we're seeing that probed big once again today, particularly in corn and wheat.
1: Arlen, are we in a kind of, I mentioned this earlier, a little bit of a bubble, a little bit of a, we got a. To little time here before harvest but if if the trade tensions with china and others continue to heat up and that nothing's resolved as we go into harvest of what looks like could be a pretty good crop what kind of uh, bearish pressure does that then put on the market
6: well i think soybeans are the market we need to be most concerned about and frankly there's a lot of dynamics there that people are trying to figure out how it's going to play out Global demand for protein is strong. We know that we've got new ethanol plants in China that are producing DDGs that can displace some of that protein demand within China. We still expect a strong buying campaign. It may not be quite as strong as what USDA has indicated. If we produce a big crop, that means the market should be amply supplied. However, when it comes to the freight schedule in Brazil, let's assume that we suddenly get a trade deal with China uh, so we can focus on the freight issue in Brazil, then we can back up again. If, if we suddenly get a trade deal with China, we're, we're trading at a 60 to $70 a ton discount right now to Brazil, which is currently the only other supplier in the world of any significance. So we could get this lot of business from China and, of course, non-China businesses are already coming our way because of that big discount. So what happens, and I just got off the phone with our Brazilian team as we were talking about this, what happens to Brazil prices? Do we suddenly come together? Well, they still have this unsettled freight issue. Soybeans are moving to the port now off of the freight schedule at a discount to the freight schedule. But as they said, The courts very well may rule that that freight schedule that came out of the trucker strike is the law of the land, and if that happens, freight prices go up dramatically, and it becomes very expensive to ship corn and soybeans to the port, and that still gives the U.S. an advantage. So this isn't just about the trade war, if we interject that back in once again. When might that be settled in Brazil? The courts aren't even going to address it again until August, and uh, even then there's a sense that it won't be settled. So the freight issue in Brazil may linger into the fall when we have our new crops coming on board as well. So there's a lot of moving parts in here. Demand is strong. If we'd have a shortfall in production, it could create some excitement in the market. If we have a big crop, I'm saying 5%, if we would happen that 5% above trend, for example, uh, then the market would seem to be well-supplied and we'd have a little bit more downside risk into this market from a fundamental standpoint.
1: And here we are well, pretty well into July now, and those crop condition numbers look pretty good.
6: Uh, they really do. About 15 to 20% of the belt is too dry, same amount as too wet, but overall you put it all together, and uh, you have to admit the ratings look pretty good. There are some problem areas. And there are some very good areas. And uh, uh, for the soybean crop in particular, there's a lot at stake yet for the month of August. It does look like the weather pattern is starting to straighten out, like we're going to get moderating temperatures, and that's good for pod set and pod fill. Uh, I think corn probably has a little stronger fundamentals than what do soybeans. I think we have a longer term, stronger... Uh, demand base. Much of that demand base is grounded in China. Uh, The question is, what is China willing to sacrifice in this trade war? Are they willing to sacrifice their 10% ethanol mandate? Uh, Are they willing to sacrifice pork prices? With some of the rhetoric coming out that they're willing to uh, reimburse the tariff to those who are buying soybeans for the reserve, that would seem to indicate a, a reflection of the pain that they're already starting to feel as a result of
1: this trade war. All right, Arlen, thanks a lot. So good perspective. Uh, low prices still attracting some business. It's not all, uh, everything's not just shut off. So good to hear that. Thank you very much. You take care. Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone. Coming up tomorrow, we we'll to talk about infrastructure improvements and find out what animal rights groups are up to. Hope you'll join us on AOA. Have a good day, everyone.